Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Genesis chapter 26, verse 1. It'll be, we'll be reading verse 1 through 6, and we're going to skip a couple of verses, and we're going to read verses 12 through 14. We want to take just a moment to thank all of our Facebook Live viewers. We pray that this message impacts you, touches you, and reaches you right where you are. And I pray that the anointing that's about to swell in this room touches you right where you're at, right even through that computer screen or that phone screen, in Jesus' name. And it says in verse 1, there was a famine in the land. Everybody say there was a famine. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine. So there was clearly a lot of famines going on in that day, in that time period. Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines and Gerar. And then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Everybody say, don't go back to the past. Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. This is, this is odd because Egypt was a land that was known for prosperity. It was known for a lot of prestige. Uh, that When you wanted to get educated, you would go to Egypt. So he tells him, I don't want you to go to a land that's prosperous. I want you to go to a different land. And this is God's instruction. Say, this is God's instruction. And he says, dwell in this land and I will be with you in this barren land, basically. For to you and your descendants, I will give these lands and I will perform the oath on which, excuse me, if you can handle that right there, Matt. It's not Jesus, so I won't answer. And I will perform the oath on which I swore to Abraham, your father, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. And I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge. Everybody say, keep his charge. Keep his charge. And his commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac obeyed the Lord, and he dwelt in Gerar. Now let's head uh, a little north to verse 12 through 14. And then, then Isaac sowed in that land. Everybody say, he sowed in a barren land. So Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year 100-fold. How many want 100-fold return in the Lord? Come on, how many are believing for that? And the Lord blessed him, and the man began to prosper. I love this, the, the, the emphasis on how much God prospered him. Watch this. And he began to prosper because he obeyed the Lord and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. And for he had possessions of flocks and of possessions of herds and a great number of servants, and so the Philistines envied him. You may have your seats. When I think about what's happening in the world today, I 
it seems to me at least that we're in some type of a famine. Yes, there's some, pros- some of you who are prospering, that, that small number of you, but, but I think to a great degree we're in a type of famine. Could most people, can most people agree with that? Say we're in a famine. And I think most of all, we are in a famine of great leadership. It's lacking. I believe that there's a lot of leadership that's lacking in the home, through fathers. Because the enemy, he's a headhunter. Everybody know what a headhunter is? The head of the home is the man, not that he's better than the man, but for some reason, God chose man to lead the home. And I think one of the reasons why America is in the trouble that it's in is because we have a lack of fathers who are leading their homes. I I also think that when when we talk of fathers, I think there's a lack of uh, spiritual leadership as it relates to us as a nation, our forefathers, and even some who are leading the charge even right now. We're living in troubling times. Can everybody agree with that? So there is a famine as it relates to leadership in the homes. There's a famine as it relates to leadership in our government or in our country. And it looks like, at least it appears to the naked eye and to the untrained spiritual eye, that there is a famine in the church globally. Can you agree with me, Ross? It seems as though there is a famine I'm not talking about food because yesterday we were able to give hundreds if not thousands of pounds of food away. So I'm not talking about a shortage in the church based on food. I'm talking about a shortage that's given on Sunday morning and throughout the week as it relates to spiritual food. And I think there is a huge, to a large degree at least, there's a lack of the, there's a famine regarding the fire of God in our lives. Amen? I think there's, uh, economic uh, famine going on. I have never seen such drought. The type of industry that I also work in, I work in two different industries simultaneously, ministry and I have a, a business uh, on the side as well. And I've never seen such drought. Uh, the other day, uh, I got a call and it's funny, you know, having this message and preaching this message this morning, this wasn't intentional. Um, I got a call that I personally had bought, personal, out of my own expense, uh, purchased the church a boat, and we called it and named it The Fellowship. Uh, Number one, I like boating, and some men don't like to go to church, and so the guys are looking at me because they feel it's a little cheesy. I thought it was cool, and it was Holy Ghost-inspired. Don't be mad. So I called it The Fellowship uh, because it's like a mini ship, and I just bought it like a year ago, and if any of you know the price, prices on boats, they're, they're not cheap. And so I spent all of my mattress money and bought the boat. And I only think I've had it out maybe 10 or 12 times. And I got a call that cylinder uh, number one went out. If, if, you, if you're not a mechanic, cylinder number one is just a very nice way of saying your engine is blown and you need a new engine. And, and what makes or breaks the price of a boat is an engine. And so, and so you can uh, understand I went and got a second opinion and I said, there's just no way these things can cost upward $20,000 without batting an eye, just an engine, because they're marine engines and they have to be, uh, they're engineered for water. So they're very, very expensive, not like a car engine that's three dollars to $5,000, so much more. And so, uh, so I got this second opinion. I get a call on Monday and uh, they tell me, they validate and say, yes, sir, your cylinder one is out. You need a new engine. And you can understand I wanted to cry. 
And I called my brother and he said, well, just count it all joy. I'm like, oh, it's easy for you to say. I'm trying to count it all joy, but it's not very fun. Now, the problem was, is I got an opinion of, I'm driving my pickup truck as well. I have a Dodge 1500. I, I use it for the industry that I work in. And this never happens, my mechanic tells me. He says, well, cylinder number five is out in your pickup truck. So that's two engines within just finding that out in a few days, you know. And so uh, not only are we in a famine uh, as it relates to the troubling times we're living in with the government, uh, as it relates to where we're at in our world, uh, not just in a famine in the church, but I think that's happening very much uh, personally in our lives. Can anybody testify to that? There's, There's famines going on really and truly in every aspect. And there's famines I've seen, and this is probably the worst, in families and relationships. I have never seen, can I be just a tad bit spiritual this morning? I'm trying to warm you up. I'm trying to be a little bit funny. But can I be just a little bit spiritual and say, I've never seen such demonic onslaughts as it relates to the family unit. I've never seen the enemy attacking families, husbands, wives, mothers and daughters at odds, and sons and Fathers at odds, the dividing of the family. And I know we all heard it said, it sounds really neat, that so goes the family, so goes the church. And when the church goes, the nation goes. Does everybody agree with that? And so I believe that there are are many different famines going on simultaneously, both in the natural but in the spiritual as well. But I I felt like the Lord wanted me to, to, to give you this message this morning. Be faithful in the famine. Everybody say, be faithful faithful. in the famine. Listen, you never have to worry about God being faithful. God is a faithful God. He always comes through. He may not come through when you want him to come through, but eventually God will come through. But I don't want to talk about God's faithfulness. I don't think, well, maybe some of us hold that in question. But what I question many times, even when I'm going through tough times, I do like David did, encourage myself in the Lord, like with these two engines. You just have to encourage yourself. When, when, when things are going seemingly wrong in your life, when things are seemingly falling apart, it doesn't matter if it's your marriage or if it's your ministry. When you are faithful to God in spite of what's going on in your life, let me tell you something. There is payday in the kingdom. I said there's payday in the kingdom. And so the first point that I want to drive home this morning is don't run from the famine. When trouble comes, this is the the problem with the church of Jesus Christ, is that we oftentimes think that just because something's going wrong, we're not in the middle of the will of God. But can I tell you, and I tell you guys this all the time, that sometimes trouble is an indicator that you're at the right place at the right time. And let me tell you something. When you remain faithful to the calling that God has put on your life, no matter what you see, whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. Trouble doesn't last always. Joy comes in the morning. Say joy comes in the morning. Running doesn't work in God's kingdom. Running from trouble, running from opposition doesn't work in God's kingdom. And let me tell you something. Just like God, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit on this one. God records, he keeps record of when you run. And can I also tell you this? The devil keeps record when you run. And if he knows that you always run from the will of God when at the first sign of trouble in your life, newsflash, church, he will always send trouble. 
People oftentimes ask me, how do you stand there when, when you're going through things? Let me tell you something. If you're a minister, you're going to go through things. I don't care if you're on the, uh, in the pulpit or in the pew. It doesn't matter. Trouble is not discriminatory. It hits every home. It hits everybody. It doesn't matter if you're male, female, tall, skinny. doesn't matter the color of your skin. Trouble touches every life. But let me tell you something. When you stand for God, no matter what's coming at you, recompense, payday is coming. God rewards the faithful. He will stand with you. He may not feel like he's with you some, at times, but let me tell you something. The scripture says this. He will never, ever leave you nor forsake you. So running doesn't work in the kingdom. Jonah tried to run. He tried to run from the calling of God on his life. He tried to run from the trouble. Have you ever tried to run from the calling of God on your life? I remember very, uh, in, my, in my, I guess it would, I would say five or six years ago before I ever uh, started the church, I said, Lord, I mean, you kind of have to be just, when you want to start a church, just a little bit, you know, you have to, have a, you have to be special. People oftentimes think because they sign up to walk with God that there's going to be ease, comfort, and pleasure. But can I tell you, oftentimes when you sign up to walk with the Lord, you're signing up to carry a cross. Yes, there's going to be great recompense. Yes, there's going to be great glory because he says whoever suffers with him, meaning you and I, look at somebody and say he's talking to you. There, there is a level of suffering that we don't talk about. There is a level of sacrifice that Jesus requires from every believer. But there's also great reward. And when you're faithful in a famine and do not run, God will reward. Say, God will reward. That didn't work for Jonah. God put a calling on his life. And just because God told him to do something difficult, Jonah wanted to run. But there was no reward when we run. How many want reward from the Lord? How many want to walk into his fullness? It is time and high time that we mature as the body of Christ and don't run at the first sign of opposition. At the first sign, come on, do you want me to make it practical? At the first sign of difficulty in a marriage. At the first sign of difficulty at your job or in the ministry that you're involved with or this relationship that you're in. And can I tell you this? We as people do not like difficult. We do not do difficult well. Look at somebody and ask them, do you do difficulty well? Come on, look at them. Wait for the answer. No, make them feel a little. No, just. And here's the thing when you're walking with the Lord is the enemy. The enemy oftentimes provide, provides a way of escape when God puts you in difficult situations. He gives you an off-ramp. I talked about this the other day. And he'll always tempt you to take the easy way out. Sometimes, did you know temptation is not always being tempted to sin? Whether it's with a man or a woman or money or ease, pleasure. It doesn't just mean that. Sometimes temptation is taking the easy way. Taking the easy job. Taking the easy relationship. Taking the easy opportunity. Listen, if the opportunity is easy, it probably doesn't have a good payoff. Usually when God calls you to do something difficult, he's using it to develop your character. He's using it to develop you to get ready for the destiny that he's called you to. Did you hear what I said? God's working on character. See, we don't want to preach about that because that, when, we, when we say God's working on me, that indicates, gives the indication of I'm in a process 
And listen, yes, there is a process walking with God, but there is great reward after you are processed by the king. Amen? And he did this with Jesus. And when you, if you remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did Peter do? He pulled out his sword to try to rescue Jesus from going to the cross. He tried to rescue him and said, Lord, not, you know, so be it, Lord. He pulled out the sword and cut the servant's ear off, tried to keep Jesus from getting arrested, tried to keep him go, from going through pain. And you know what? You know what? The Holy Spirit told me this morning. We as people oftentimes do that to our friends. We try to give them money or we try to rescue them. Now, I know I'm a giver and I love giving to people. Obviously, that's what we do with the church, right? We do these outreaches. But there's sometimes you got to be led by the Spirit when God puts somebody in a position that he don't want you to rescue them out of because he's teaching them something. How many friends have you ever rescued or gave $100 to that the Lord was trying to get them to be faithful with the money he's given them? Or trying to teach them to tithe. I know the church ain't saying nothing this morning. But sometimes we rescue our friends out of positions that God has put them in. Oh yeah. Hallelujah. And the Lord could have called down a legion of angels and they could have delivered him. But what did he say? He, he rebuked Peter and said this. Put your sword. Put that $100 back in your pocket. No, he didn't say that. I'm just teasing using practical example. But you get what I'm saying. He said, put your sword back in your sheath. And you have to be careful you're not a person who helps friends out of season that God has put them in to develop them. And you have to be careful not to walk out of seasons that God has stuck you in. I have, listen, when you are not in seasons of challenging circumstances, I got a newsflash, you're not growing. We don't grow in comfort. We don't grow in pleasure. We don't grow when the bills are paid. We don't grow when we're not going through some kind of marriage difficulty. We grow in difficulty. We grow in the heat of the fire. We grow when we're in opposition. You know what the scripture says in Psalms? It says, he trains my hands for war, meaning the Lord. He trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. That's right. God is raising up end time warriors right now. This is the kind of theme that I've been hearing more and more. And God is using what is happening in America. He's using what's happening in our personal lives in very practical ways as well to grow us and to mature us. Why? Because of what's coming. I said, because of what's coming. Say, because of what's coming. Look at what happened with Jesus when uh, the enemy took him up on a, an exceedingly high mountain and said, all these kingdoms and their glory I'll give to you if you bow down and worship me. The devil will always whisper, it don't take all that. Did you hear what I just said? He'll say, it don't take all that suffering. It, it doesn't take all of that loss. And what the enemy will do when God is allowing things to be taken from you, when he's processing you, when, you, when you're going through difficult seasons, the enemy will try to get you to retreat and say, it don't take all that. Why? Because he wants you to abort the destiny. He doesn't want you to end your race well. He doesn't want you to cross over the finish line because when you cross the finish line, the blessings of heaven open up over your life. And let me tell you something, you know when you're at the end of that season, you know when that chapter is over because it's almost like you can feel God's favor almost in a tangible way of it reigning over your life, but it comes at a cost. That cost is obedience. That cost is oftentimes suffering, difficulty, hardship. 
and pain. It doesn't get many amens, but this is where we're at as a church. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to mature. It's time for us to grow up. Look at somebody and say, it's time to grow. It's time to grow. Amen. Number two, stay faithful in the famine. Say, stay faithful. When you do things that are not easy, you produce little result. Can I tell you something? This is not anywhere in my notes. I just thought about this. For the first 10 years that I owned my company, I only did it. I would have given up a long time ago, but can I be honest with you? I didn't know anything else. So I tolerated for 10 years. I had a window. I couldn't even... Uh, my brother's laughing because he knows it to be true. In order to put my window up when it was raining, I had to get out of the car and put one hand on both sides of the window and lodge it into the weather stripping for it to stay there. And, when it was, and if it was really raining, I had to put it back down manually and stick my head out of the car looking like uh, Ace Ventura pet detective driving with rain stinging my face. But I would whisper the Lord... Do not despise small beginnings. In little, see, he didn't tell me that one day as you go through this famine, one day people are going to be serving alongside of you. One day you're going to be leading something. One day you're going to be able to buy a decent home. One day you're going to be able to serve the community. One day you're going to be able to buy a boat for a church. One day you're going to be able to give back. One day you're going to have overflow. One day, one day, one day. See, but this is what the enemy will not tell you that one day. Because he, he wants you to look at today. Did you hear what I just said? That was Holy Ghost led. He doesn't want you to look at one day. He doesn't want you to know that eye hath not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man. Oh God, I feel a Holy Ghost. He doesn't want you to know that one day there is great recompense after your suffering. Oh, when you have suffered a little while, the Bible says, then, come on, then the promises will eventually come to pass. One day, don't look at today, the Holy Spirit is saying to some of you this morning. Some of you are looking at a circumstance in your life and you're looking at it too much. Listen, when you look at what you're dealing with a little bit too much, what happens is the enemy begins to magnify that thing. And because the enemy wants you to be sapped of the joy of living in today. Amen? Somebody say, stay faithful in the famine. Yeah, stay faithful to God in the famine. It's so easy to serve God. It's so easy to praise along with the worship team when things are going good. But can you still praise God? Can you still, come on, play the keys? Can you still, come on, give your whole heart in spite of not seeing what God has spoken to you in times past? Can you still worship? Can you still stay faithful to him? Amen. Look at what Galatians says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Am I boring you this morning? Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Make no mistake. Look at somebody and say, don't make no mistake. Come on, look behind you if you have to. Make no mistake. God will never be mocked. For what you plant, you will always be the, excuse me, it will always be the very thing that you harvest. Somebody say, be faithful. In the famine. Listen to this. Watch this. Faith can produce, faith can produce more results in poor soil 
than we can produce in the most perfect conditions apart from God. Did you hear what I just said? Hold on. I don't think you really got it. Let me just reverse. Reverse gear. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 26. We were just reading. He's commanding this man. He's commanding him. Listen, he says, don't go down to Egypt. This is where I don't understand God's ways. I mean, we preached a message last week that says this don't make no sense. When, when God told this man to go down a dirt road and he just came from you know, preaching a revival, now I'm going down a dirt road and don't know why I'm going there. It's, it's kind of that same concept. God is, God is telling, he's telling him, listen, there was a famine in the land. I don't want you to go to Egypt. I want you to go to another famished place. And that's where I want you to plant. Somebody say, be faithful in the famine. Did you hear what I said? So faith can produce more results in poor soil when you obey the Lord. Then you can, see, see we, we base things based on experience and, and knowledge and, and, and the past, right? But the way that God rewards is based on obedience. He doesn't care what the soil of your life looks like right now. It doesn't matter if there's pebbles, there's rocks, it looks famished, doesn't look like good soil. If he's telling you to sow in an empty church, sow. If he's telling you to go to a big church, Go to the big, it's all about obedience. God rewards based on obedience, not size. Did you hear what I said? And the size of the blessing that you're returned with, come on, the way that he returns blessing is based on the sacrifice it took you. Not what it looks like. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Amen? And the, enemies, the enemy of your soul, Satan, we call him Satan, the angel of light. He always wants to get you to focus on conditions. How does the soil look? Because the more we focus on the famine, the more drought it causes to your soul. And this is why you can't afford to be away from God. Because you get dry. Did you hear what I said? This is why you can't afford to stay home from church and away from God. Because you get dry. You want me to validate that? Let me just give you a little bit of scripture because it looked like a few of you and maybe even a few of you online didn't believe me. Matthew chapter 12, watch this, verse 43. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places. The enemy looks for dry ground. And he's seeking rest and he finds none. Then he says, I will return from the house of which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, finds it dry. He's and it's swept and put in order. And then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And he enters and he dwells there. And the last state of that man was worse than the first. The enemy looks for dry places. Did you hear what I said? This is why we as a church cannot afford to not gather, to not encourage each other, to worship together. Come on, I wish I had at least two people who'd still agree that we should gather because when we don't gather, come on, we dry out. And the more that you don't gather, the less need you see to gather. That's right. And, and you don't even realize you begin to turn famished, spiritually famished. And then what happens is that the enemy looks for those dry places to land on. Amen? I don't know about you, but I want to be a, a well-watered garden like Psalm says, a well-watered garden whose streams do not fail. Because when you're filled with the river of the Holy Spirit, there's no place for the enemy to land. Look at somebody and say, be a place for the Holy Spirit to dwell. Amen.
Hallelujah. In this scripture, the Lord is blessing this man in unexpected places. I got a feeling that there's a few of you in here who are in some unexpected places and you don't want to necessarily be in this circumstance. A job, a ministry, a relationship. But I want to tell you what the Lord is saying this morning to your heart. I'm going to use this unexpected place to bless you, to prosper you, to grow you, to mature you. Because God oftentimes uses unexpected places because he knows, he knows that if you know the conditions are too good, come on, it will leave too much room for you to give the credit to circumstance. Did you hear what I just said? If it looks good and you stay because it, in good places because they look good, God will move you from those places. Why? Because he wants you to utilize your faith. And comfort and pleasure doesn't grow faith. It actually puts you in spiritual neutral gear. Amen? And so God wants to put you in places that grow you, that mature you, and raise you up. And here's what I love about some, here's what I do love about dry places. I don't, I don't necessarily pray for dry places in my life, but here's what I found out about myself after walking with the Lord almost 20 years. You ready? Can I just tell you one of my secrets? The worst thing for the enemy to do with me is make everything comfortable for me because I've found out I thrive in opposition. My personality thrives in drive places. The enemy knows don't put him under too much pressure because he starts getting thirsty. Don't make him too dry. He starts getting thirsty. Did you hear what I said? I start showing up to every prayer meeting. I'm not the guy to retreat. When I start seeing mess, I start going to every prayer meeting. I start going to some, to some conferences. I start going to Legacy. Come on, I start going to talk with all my, my friends who are pastors. I start calling prayer meetings. I start getting on Zoom calls, and I just do all that. I go out of my way. Why? Because I start getting thirsty. When I'm not seeing God at work in my life, I start to question. I start to pursue. Yeah. Watch what Matthew chapter 5 says. Verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit. There's a, blessing of being, there's a blessing in being poor in spirit. There's a blessing hidden in living in a famished season in your life. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Come on. Dry places create thirst for God. Say they create thirst for God. And if you always leave and live in a place of prosperity, he knows, God knows, that you will not have any need for him. And so God will put you sometimes in dry places. Why? To whet your appetite. To get you to, to come. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and all you who are thirsty. It doesn't say the thirsty part, but it says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Dry places will cause per, provoke you to pursue God in ways you've never pursued him before. It'll cause you to pray like you've never prayed before. It'll cause a person who loves chicken wings to fast like they've never fasted before. Come on, let the church say amen. amen. It'll cause you to let go of some Facebook time. It'll cause you to get off of Instagram just for a little bit. It'll cause you to, come on, put away your Saturday night when you could be sleeping at home watching I was going to say Golden Girls. That just, just goes to show you I'm old soul. Do y'all even watch that anymore? I don't know. I love Lucy. I don't watch TV anymore, so I don't know. But whatever it is, show that you like. I would say yes to the dress. Come on. Am I getting closer? Yeah. 
It'll cause you to put away some movies that you need to put away just for a little while so you can spend just a few minutes with the Lord. It'll cause you to pursue him. Come on, say amen. amen. We're in a season where we need to go after God like we never have before in extraordinary ways. Do you know when those revivals sparked in, 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 in days past was when, when people got together, they were really hungry. They were thirsty. They were pursuing him like they never have before. You know what I pray? You know what I told you guys last week? I want to rehash it again. If I could give you anything, and I would give you this if I could, I would give each and every one of you a deeper hunger, a deeper hunger for God. And if I could put it in detail, if I could physically put this in you, I would put something so deep in your spirit and your heart that you, you wouldn't wake up out of your sleep without a wet face crying. I have, I have been in seasons of my life where I've literally, my eyes opened up because I'm, I'm dreaming about the Lord. Like I'm just, I'm just so hungry for him. I wake up with my, my pillow soaked. That's what da David discovered that. And you know what the word of God called him? You know what God called him? The man who is after my heart. I've woken up out of my sleep, and I know I've had a lot of contracts, and God was blessing me. I, rem I just remember this, so, I remember this so vividly. I was making pretty decent money, all these contracts I'm selling, and I wake up out of my sleep, and, and I'm literally crying. I was having a dream, and I was, it was like I was with the Lord. I didn't see him physically, but I, I just knew it was a dream from the Lord. And Versus wanting to go to work, and of course I had to go to work. But you know what I said? I wish I could just spend time with you. I wish I could just stay here with you. I told the kids the other day, it was, was it Ethan or Liam? I, I told them a song title yesterday. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Can I say this lovingly? This comes from the bottom of my heart. I don't even know if I should say it. Lord, help me. Say, help him, Lord. If I could be here with you all every day, this is where I would be. But truth be told about the church of Jesus Christ, I guess I don't know how people go six days and that seventh day come with an opportunity to come worship the Lord because that, that song is not a reality to most believers. Better is one day in your course than a thousand elsewhere. I really truly believe that America would never admit this, but I think they probably feel the opposite. Better is everywhere else than his courts. I'd rather be a thousand other places. But can I tell you, I believe there's a generation who is turning. Look at him. He's like, oh, Lord Jesus. He said it. I believe God's raising up a generation where there's, there's, there's about to be a transference of hunger for the Lord like we've never seen before. The churches aren't going to be big enough to handle the people. They're going to come searching for answers. They're, kinda, they're going to come trying to get to his presence. Now is the time. Now is the time to build a foundation in the church. When I say the church, I don't mean just the building. Now is the time to build the foundation so it can handle the weight of what's about to come. Amen? Amen. Somebody say, better is one day. Better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. Amen. 
You know one of the greatest revivals ever recorded in the Bible. It was recorded in Acts chapter 2. And I want to I read it to you. And here's, here's, what the, here's what the Lord illuminated in my heart. You ready for this? One of the greatest revivals ever recorded in the Bible happened in a dry place. It was a dry place. We are always talking about Pentecost. Great. I'm, I, love, I love to talk about Pentecost. I love to talk about Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came upon all of the believers. There was 500 of them. 380 of them left. There was 120 in the upper room and the Holy Spirit poured out. But do you know why many of them were in hiding? Is because culturally they were in a dry place. Not just in Israel. Of course, we know it's a dry place. But, 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 but people were being hung for their faith. They were being destroyed. They were being killed. And, and, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened when they were in a quarantine. It happened when they were locked down in the upper room. Because God oftentimes does amazing things in dry places. And it says this, watch this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one place in a Honda. I mean, in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God poured out in a dry place. When I look out over the church and over America, I get excited. We've been too comfortable This has all been a wake-up call for the world and for the church for us to come to the realization of where we're at. Do you know what awakening is? It's when you wake up from your sleep. When we say awakening, that doesn't just mean God visiting in the church. Of course it means that. But it means you're awakened to something that you were not awakened to before. A realization hits. A reality hits hits. And from the pulpit to the pews, we have been sleeping when we should have been praying. You remember when Jesus was in the garden and even came to his three disciples, Peter, James, and John. And remember when Jesus said, why couldn't you wait with me one hour? You know, when we tell people we pray for them, you you know, when somebody says, pray for me, I don't know. I've been convicted about that lately. Because there's sometimes, this is not all the time, sometimes I really go into warfare. But most times when we tell people we're going to pray for them, we go to sleep. It's a spiritual way to kind of, you know, let them know, I'm going to pray for you. Lord, bless them. We throw a blanket. We don't really go to war. But this is a time for us to, to wake up in the Garden of Gethsemane in the church. And Jesus said, can you not stay awake with me one hour? And you want to know what God is saying to the church? Look at the times. That's what the Bible says in, in Matthew. He says, look at the times. This, this day that I'm coming is not going to overtake you as a thief because you will discern the times. It's time for us as the church. Look at somebody and say, he's talking to you. I'm talking to you. When I say the church, I don't mean a leader in the church. I mean the person who professes Jesus as Lord. It's time for us to awake from our spiritual slumber. It's time to pray. It's time to seek his face. It's time to fast. It's time to lament. 
Come on, it's time to pray for people. It's time to lay hands on the sick once again and see them recovering. Come on, it's time to prophesy from the pulpit once again and stop being afraid of the fire. You know why I believe that the fire is not here? And I speak of the church in general. It's because we're afraid of the fire. We don't do weird, but we cannot be afraid of the fire. Somebody say amen. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet for just a moment. Is everybody okay this morning? Is that too strong? Come on, nudge somebody a little bit and tell them this dry ground. Come on, look at them with conviction. Say it's purposeful. It's purposeful. And you know, you know what I love about God as I close this? I love when, you, when, you're, when you're in a famine, when you're in a dry place, I love the fact that God, he can see below the surface. He has an all-seeing eye. The Bible says he's all-seeing. And I quote, he who created the eye, can he not see? He sees below the ground. Don't let what you're seeing in your life, in your health, in your work, in your singleness, in your school. For me, it's the church. I hope that's for all of us. Don't allow what you see right now keep you from sowing. I'm not talking about money. I'll just read it. Ecclesiastes 11, verses 4 through 6. It may be up on the screen. Watch what he says. The wisest man in the world, Solomon, King David's son, he says, he who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know what is the way of the wind or how it how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. Somebody say, God sees below the dry ground. In the morning, sow your seed. In the evening, do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that or whether both alike will be good. I know I keep saying this, but I mean this so tremendously and so genuinely. COVID and sickness and what's going on in America, it's no, it's no time to be home. It's, it's no time to draw back. The Bible says that he who puts his hand against the plow looking back is not fit for the kingdom. It's time for the church to move forward, not to retreat. Somebody ought to say amen. It's time to to move forward. It's time to gather, not stay home. It's time to pray and not complain. It's time to fast. It's not time to eat. It's time to seek God's face and not to spend all of our time on Facebook. 
Not that any of those things are bad. It's not bad to eat. It's not bad to be on Facebook and social media. But, but we're in a time and a season where we have to sow in this famine because God is about to break through and do something amazing globally and in our lives and in your families and your marriages and your singleness and in your work and in your job and your career and in the church, his bride. God may send us in seemingly dry places, but can I tell you, he considered, listen to me, are you listening? Say amen if you're listening. He considered what was beneath the surface before he put you there. Did you hear that, David? He's seen this coming. He knew what was beneath the surface. Whatever it is that you're facing, you look at, Lord, why am I here? He's seen below the surface. He knew the end of that situation and he knows exactly what it was going to produce. And let me tell you this. He knows what activates your faith. And so he's allowing many of you, I believe, to stand on this fallow, barren ground because it's about to produce a faith in you that is going to transform your life your relationship with him and your future. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't run from the famine. Embrace it. Be faithful to it. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.